Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of the Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed uh, co-host, is with us today. And today we're going to interview Josh Friedman about emotional intelligence, how that predicts success. We were just talking about that. We first interviewed Josh from sixseconds.org uh, in 2007. And uh, all three of us have been working with you know, emotional intelligence for that long and, and even longer for Josh and myself. And so we're excited to bring him on. There's some new research that we want to jump into uh, for you as a leader. And, you know, we're always trying to help give you some tips, some tools, some things that you can do sometimes a little more so, sometimes a little less so, to be in the top 10%. So that's a tipping point that Kathy and I always talk about <clears throat> in our programs. How do we get more people to perform in the top 10%. And we're so excited to talk to Josh more about emotional intelligence. That's been the organizing principle for all three of us here. And it's uh, soaked in all kind of research and evidence-based. And so we're excited to, you know, jump into that. So, Kathy, welcome. Why, thank you. I feel like I'm here with two amazing brains in the emotional intelligence industry. And, and Josh, it has it's been way too long, but we are so glad that you're with us today. And I just want to jump right into, you know, the, the meat of the matter. I just want to remind everybody who's listening that uh, you can enjoy more emotional brilliance at www.emotionalbrilliance.com backslash academy. You can go and get some free goodies there, like 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence. And, of course, you know, Relly and I um, are just excited to have Josh here. So I'm going to jump right in, if that's okay with you, Relly, on Josh's bio. And, and one of the things that I've always loved about Josh and Patty uh, is their definition, uh, being smart, you know, with, with emotion. And it's so simple, yet it's so so difficult to do. I find myself every day finding it harder and harder in the environment in which we're living. But let's let's just stick to our knitting here. Josh Friedman is a great guy. He's also the CEO of Six Seconds, which is a global organization that's been in practice since 1997. And they have supported well over 10 million people in the practice of emotional intelligence. And, of course, that's in over 200 countries. As of today, I'm sure there are more. Josh is a master certified coach with ICF and a major thought leader uh, in the world of emotional intelligence. Six Seconds has created and introduced 122 books and tools, 80 assessments, and 16 certifications for EI practitioners, and I'm delighted to be among them. Six Seconds supports people and organizations to learn, measure, and practice great emotional intelligence and from families to schools to Fortune 500 companies I could go on. You know, their goal is 1 billion people 
practicing the skills of emotional intelligence in the world around us. Research links emotional intelligence to life success. We all know that, including critical success factors like relationships, effectiveness, well-being, and quality of life. It's the foundation of everything we know in the healthy human being, in families, schools, communities, and organizations. And today we're going to highlight some of Josh's newest collection of EI research uh, for 2023 and beyond, and a new business case for EI by Josh Michael Miller and his lovely bride, Patty Friedman. So without further ado, Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here again. So, Josh, we have a a series of of questions that we want to check in with you. Um, You know, and one is always about who are the people who've most influenced you. You and I have been doing the uh, EI stuff probably since the mid-'90s. I know you kind of started in in a school. I started learning around emotional intelligence before we had the word with a program that was confluent education and and based on affective education. So it goes way back. But I know for me, I had a dad who was really smart and and very head wise and a mom who was just all heart. But I'm wondering about for you, you know, who are some of the people kind of influence you in this field? (laughs) Oh, really? I, I, relate to the head the head smart i had multiple of those in my family and my uh, my biological yeah. parents were both uh, biostatisticians and i grew up saying i'm never going to do statistics <laughs> here i am uh, doing right. quite a lot of statistics but um Annabelle Jensen is the president of 6 seconds and i met Annabelle as you mentioned when i was a teacher which grew out of that whole that school that where I was grew out of that whole affective education, confluent education realm. And down where you are in Santa Barbara, there was this, this movement for this concept of self-science, the science of self. And when Dan Goldman mm. came and visited the school in 1992, he said, this is it. You're teaching emotional intelligence. And we said, oh, we hadn't heard that word before. And right. um, that... Annabelle was really, uh, has been my mentor. She's still my mentor. She's, uh, I just interviewed her last week. She's in her 80s. And she said, uh, you haven't met the best version of Annabelle that, that there's going to be. <laughs> She's just somebody who's dedicated wow. to growing and, <laughs> and just been a huge influence in my desire to learn these skills. Well, you know, as we look at those people who influence us, I can't help but jump in here, gentlemen, um, on the bandwagon. Back in the 1990s, when I was a student at Rutgers, uh, which is where Dan Goldman uh, began a lot of his work, I was also part uh, of an organization shortly thereafter called Computer Sciences Corporation and then Accenture, which was the early Anderson Consulting. And having been a part of their research on the Institute for Strategic Change, I wrote a series of articles with both Marshall Goldsmith and Alistair Robertson on personal mastery. So we called it personal mastery way back mm-hmm. when. Right. And it's fascinating where it has come today. So I guess, Josh, my question for you is uh, now that we, you know, we're here in this EI awareness world and we're all bringing great work uh, to bear, 
when you think about how you transitioned from getting started in the EI world to where you are now with services around the six seconds offerings, can you kind of give us a little bit of a bridge there? How did you get from the EI world from a, you know, a, an academic space, a learning space, a teaching space into a consulting space where now you have these amazing services? It was a little bit by accident, Kathy. Uh, we had our, in, we put up a website in 1997, and I don't know if you all remember back in 97, there was not a lot on the internet. And people started contacting right. us and saying, well, do you have a certification training? And I went to Annabelle and I said, Annabelle, people are asking for a certification training. What do you think that means? <laughs> and, uh, so we decided to run a training, and it was it was so funny because it was, in 1998, people showed up and said, oh, this is the first thing I've ever bought on the Internet. And I didn't know if you, know, if, if you were actually going to be here. I'm just so glad <laughs> to find you all here. And no, we, had from, <laughs> we had people from... I, I just, no, I just have to say, Josh, as you're talking about this, I went to a Six Seconds Cafe when I was with uh, Computer Sciences Corporation, and the first question I was asked was if I had an EI superpower, what would it be? <laughs> yes, I and love it, that question. Right, and it just unlocked my world. So I'm I'm tracking here. <laughs> so um, two things happened in that very first session, which continued to happen. One is um, we had people from six countries. We had people from a lot of different sectors and spaces, a couple people from some military organizations, a couple people from um, Fortune 500, a couple people from the community, from government, and from education, and all these different spaces. And they, at the end of the course, they said, you know what, one of the best things about this was connecting with people from all these different spaces and places. And I feel mm. like by being in this room with people who are working on this, in all these different perspectives, it's, it's really been enriching for me. And that was a major aha. Uh, there's something that happens, and you both know, and everybody listening knows, we've all been told, like, you need to focus. And you need to, you know, what's your niche? And, like, really get specific about who you're selling to. And fortunately, as a nonprofit organization at Six Seconds, we've been able to at least some degree ignore that really good advice and, and create an organization the most difficult possible way, which is we're going to serve everyone everywhere. But it's that common ground that ultimately is at the heart of what our work is about. It's finding that common space. It's weaving this fabric. And if we don't try to do this across the spectrum, we're undermining our own mission. And so we've made the, the decision over and over to, to try to say we're going to support this very broad conversation about emotional intelligence in the whole world. And now, as you said earlier, we're doing it across 200 countries and territories. And it's been uh, remarkable to see this, this continue over these 25 years, what happens when people discover, oh, hey, you know what I'm working on in this country, in this industry, in this sector, in this space. It's so much like what this person on the other side of the world in this other space is working on. I just want to add something Josh, there. 
Yeah, I just wanted to add something there, Josh. Um, sorry, Riley, before you jump in here. When I was attending one of your certifications in D.C., I was working with both um, a Secret Service individual and a, I was working with a director of the FBI. And I so needed this class to keep my own emotional <laughs> intelligence because you are such a practical organization and you make it so simple. So for those of us who are EI coaches and who think we have it all, <laughs> we really need to recognize there are programs out there like yours and the six second service offerings that make it so easy for us to practice and make us better every day. And I just want to mm. thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Kathy. And I, I, I'm so appreciative of that. And I'm also really appreciative of something you just alluded to, which is that this all work starts on the inside. And, uh, you know, you can be as experienced as, as the two of you are and still, like, we find these moments where we need to do this work on the inside. You can be a very senior leader and very successful and you still have this work to do to get to where you want to go. And I think sometimes people wonder, like, well, successful people, like, there's successful people who are jerks. Like, why do you really need emotional intelligence? <laughs> and the answer is, like, well, look at how amazing so many, the amazing work so many people are doing. And what if, what if we could also have skills to do the pieces we're not doing? And I know for myself as a, as a CEO and so many of the people that I work with say, you know what, I am committed to being better. I'm committed to growing and changing. And we're in a rapidly changing context. I've got to keep growing. And, and Josh, what's, what's so valuable about this, the work that we all do, you know, Kathy and I talk about um, just after the pandemic, you know, everything is more. I mean, you, you know, so more stress, more pressure, more emotions that people have, more um, requests for their leaders to support them. And so even in the work that I'm doing uh, these days with leaders, I say, look, you're not a counselor, but people are expecting some of those human skills, you know, whether it's grief, they've lost someone, they've lost a job, they've lost someone to COVID, and all of a sudden their leader is like, Gee, what am I supposed to say? Well, how, well, how am I supposed to do this? This is not my background. This is not my training. And so I think the uh, pandemic has just brought uh, everything is more. And so maybe from a uh, EI, EQ side of this, what have you noticed, uh, you know, from your work? And let me just say, I'm so appreciative for the research that we're going to uh, dip into because the EI model, people get it but I think they get it even more when it's backed up with research. So you've really done some, you know, excellent uh, research. And I think, you know, I love that. So I just want to, I just want to say hallelujah brothers. <laughs> with that, what have you uh, noticed with the pandemic and, you know, as we're kind of getting more current uh, in the EI world, what kind of, how's that changed things or what's that brought on? So I had some uh, bad news and worse news and good news. <laughs> So to start with the bad news, uh, emotional intelligence has declined pretty dramatically over the last five years. And uh, I think we can all see it in headlines, and I think we can all see it in our offices. And, you know, this more that you talked about, really, people are walking in dysregulated. 
people are customers, employees, colleagues, investors. People are kind of just like they're just the earth keeps shaking, and people are fried, and um, that's affecting productivity. It's affecting errors. It's affecting collaboration. It's leading people into a place of uh, pretty deep waters, and <clears throat> and that that reduced emotional intelligence, I think, is driven in part by it's like um, a boat that's trying to go upstream and the river is mm. running really fast and there are a lot of big rocks and uh, the boat is not making headway. It's, it's going backwards. And, you know, this mm. little engine that could, it, we're all trying the best we can, but we're getting buffeted. Um, the worst news from a business perspective is that costs are mounting. And we're in a time right now when people are really looking to say, well, we have to be super careful with money. We have to, be, we have to guard against this uh, ongoing threat of recession that's now just dragging on. And um, meanwhile, we still have a labor market where we have a, a pretty high amount of turnover and it's uh, hard to hire people. Uh, Sherm estimates it costs uh, one to two times an annual salary to <clears throat> to replace somebody. Um, we have uh, health care and other costs, especially in, in the U.S. and other countries that are going up and up and up. It's costing <clears throat> at least $2,500 a, a month for employee benefits in many places. And so the, the cost of doing business is, is very, very high. And we report in the new business case some data that this, this all adds up to $1.8 trillion of loss in the United States alone. And you think and about you know, <laughs> this is such a big number. I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, Josh, hold on to that. Hold on to that. That, that is a powerful number. That is a powerful impression. We're going to go to a quick break. So I want everybody to recognize that what we're talking about here today is scientific research. This is not just throwing numbers out like they do on the news. So when you come back, you, our audience, I want you to stay tuned to listen to more of this amazing business case by our dear friend and colleague, Josh Friedman. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. the boardroom to you voice america business network icy tech like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job the ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right it's not just an effort it's not just know-how it's a way of life icy tech has been with you since 1998 with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e learning is leading edge. 
How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Josh Friedman of SixSeconds.org. If you're I uh, want to see some of the tools and things that uh, those folks have created that Josh and his team has created. It's the number six and then seconds.org. And there's a, a ton of um, information there. They have their blogs, you know, really great research. So, Josh, before we have uh, went to the break, you were just saying it's cost the U.S. from all the different things that we talked about, healthcare, turnover, uh, retention, $1.8 trillion uh, dollars of loss, and Kathy was saying even with um, artificial intelligence, there's going to be even probably some more lost jobs. So everything is more, and I'm sure people that you deal with around the world is like enough, enough, no more change, please, please. So I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're all like that. No more. So. Um, Walk us through some of the some of the data that you have in the business case, you know, and maybe just some of the the differences that you see, you know, across worldwide. That's why um, chatting with you now because you're just got the pulse on EI worldwide. So yeah. I'm interested in hearing some of the heartbeats of that. <laughs> well, just to break down this this 1.8 trillion dollars is a staggering number. Um, again, that's just in the U.S. economy. Uh, I think everyone listening will be familiar with the employee engagement numbers that we've, you know, that Gallup right. and others, including Six Seconds, have been tracking for years. And <clears throat> Gallup's latest uh, state of the workplace uh, employee engagement is down. And right. I feel like this, you know, this we probably had this same conversation in 2007, right? And like, well, why is it that employment engagement is so, you know, so low? And you know, how can we change it? And, 
and it's stubbornly not moving. So does that mean that organizational leaders don't care? Does it mean that they don't really believe that this, you know, that one in five employees is, is actually fully productive? Do they just not know how to deal with it? And one of the things that I was noticing is looking at the HubSpot report on, the, on uh, lost productivity. They, in their survey, they asked companies, what are you doing to mitigate lost productivity? And I have a little game for you here, which is I'm going to just tell you that the, the top three and, and just tell you they're all kind of like this, and you tell me what's wrong with this, okay? So the top three, blocking certain Internet sites at work, prohibiting personal calls and personal use of cell phones, monitoring emails and Internet usage. <laughs> wow. Right, so that, sounds, that makes you really want to go work there, doesn't it? Right, what you can't do versus <laughs> what, you, what you can do. And they're all mechanistic. And right. everything on this list is mechanistic. And right. <clears throat> when you think about, well, well what drives employee, employee engagement? It's not mechanistic. It's not about mm-hmm. tasks and widgets and hours and timesheets. And like this, you know, this is like the 1900 model of management. It's like the factory model. Right. And we have run the factory model for 120-some years, and it doesn't work. So well, why are we still running it? Yet we've been in a knowledge era since easily, you know, early 2000s. And to to use words like blocking sites, prohibiting (laughs) access, and then monitoring, um, you you might as well shut down the knowledge era, you know? Mm. Well, I think it boils down to do you trust your employees? Right, and if you don't trust your employees, why the heck would they trust you? Oh, exactly, exactly. And how can they get their job done? And Kathy, in, you know, in your work in high security organizations, they know very, very well that the greatest security threats are actually relationships and people, right? And when people aren't well, and when people aren't healthy, and when people don't have good supports and good relationships, that's when security is most vulnerable. I would say the same thing is applying in organizations. Productivity is not most vulnerable because somebody is going on social media and, like, spending a couple of hours, you know, faffing around. That's just a symptom of a deeper problem. So let's not work on the symptom. Let's work on the deeper problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think some of the stuff, we've got some of the research also, Josh, you know, from DDI, you saw it in what we had sent you just about trust. You know, 46% of people definitely trust their direct manager, but then it's down to 32% trust senior managers. And I think, you know, some of this, they, they probably don't see them as much, but it'd be interesting to get your take on that. You know, for, for me, Josh, and I'm sure you guys see this, I can't get in front of them. It's so mm. hard to get their time, and I have to tell their HR person, Unless they're in front of me having these kind of conversations, coaching, they're just not doing it. It's not like they don't care, but they have so much other on their plate, it takes a back seat. So we're here you know, now, and how does, how does EI take a front seat? Well, so I think part of the question for that really is to move away from thinking about emotional intelligence as a training or something that's going to be done by HR or learning development and say, how does this become part of a competitive advantage? 
And so I mentioned to you, I had bad news, worse news, we've done those two, and now here's the good news. The good news is that companies that are utilizing emotional intelligence in a strategic way are showing tremendous benefits. These are learnable, measurable, scientifically grounded skills that make money. And so we can actually address these relational challenges by equipping people and making part of the culture the capacity to, to make this stuff visible and to embed it, not just in a workshop, but embed it in your day-to-day interaction, in your day-to-day processes, procedures, systems. And that's where the real opportunity is. You, you talk about a key finding being that organizations that prioritize EI are 22 times more likely to be high. How was that calculated? (laughs) So that is using a technique called an odds ratio. It's the same technique. I actually learned this from my biostatistician mother. It's the same (laughs) technique that's used for saying people who smoke are eight times as likely to get cancer. And when when you do this odds ratio, you basically need a big data set, and you need to see... Um, you know, what is the, essentially, it's a way of looking at correlation between uh, emotional intelligence and performance. And we, because we, we published the world's largest study on emotional intelligence and we have this data from all over the world, we've been able to collect over the years uh, some really rich data to be able to look at mm-hmm. factors like performance and emotional intelligence. And then we, we do this, this odds ratio technique and we can see it's a very, very strong predictor of, uh, of performance. Now, you know, most people in their day-to-day life will say, oh, you know, smoking causes cancer. And statisticians <laughs> run away from the word cause and uh, mm-hmm. something, this kind of predictive relationship, like in this odds ratio, if, smoke, you know, if, smoking is, if you smoke, you're eight times as likely to get cancer, that's a very strong predictive relationship. So 22 times, if, you, right. if your organization prioritizes emotional intelligence, you're 22 times as likely to be high-performing. That basically means in order to land in that high-performing category, you have to be embedding these skills in your organization. So, that's just critical. And so that's an impressive, an impressive number there, Josh. And I, I'm sure you, know, you use it, we use this, that's why we're talking about it, you know, because we want to get their attention. So when you talk about embedding, and both, you know, Kath and I do the coaching, we do training, like, so what, what are you doing to embed it so it's not just, oh, we did a training, or, or mm-hmm. I had a coach who kind of has that as a specialty, and we've talked about mm-hmm. it. And again, it's, period, it's periodic versus right. more permanent. So say a little bit about, about that. So organizations have cultures, and those cultures either kind of – grow and form by happenstance, or they grow and form intentionally. And those cultures are reinforced by the systems and structures, policies, procedure, measurement tools they use, ways that they compensate people, the ways that they prioritize. In so many organizations, uh, culture is sort of a, um, I don't know, left to its, somewhat to its own devices. And what I would say is... Right. If you have a strategy about how you create value and you haven't really thought about how does the culture support that value creation strategy, you're missing a tremendous opportunity. 
And the first step in this, we have four steps for how you actually embed emotional intelligence to get this competitive advantage. And that's really the first step, is for senior leaders to have a very clear understanding of why this is a business imperative. And especially in today's context, when we're facing this tremendous volatility, we're going to see over the next few years, uh, I predict, even more of what we've seen in the last three years, which is that these, these skills have become even more predictive in the last three years of performance. Mm. And I think that's because when we are in um, a mess, <laughs> I'm going to use a word I'm not supposed to use, I think, on, on radio, but <laughs> when we're in a mess, uh, <clears throat> it becomes more imperative uh, and, you know, we've all seen this. Again, Kathy, you know, we works a lot with uh, special forces types organizations, and they know that when, you know, the chips are down, that's when leaders show up. When you're truly in a crisis, somebody who's trustworthy, that's when the trust is tested and when you see it. I think we're, gonna, we're seeing that now in organizations, and I think we're going to see it even more in the next few years. When you are talking about these things, there's obviously a lot of passion in your voice about them. And we often say, you know, as you're going through these steps, um, the business imperative is always the one that gets people's attention. But um, I'm curious, as you go through these steps, Josh, uh, in the senior leaders realm, and as you move down into the other parts of the organization, the, the, the talent managers, um, in, their, in their business imperative, are we making the connection to the behaviors of self-awareness and empathy that are so critical to being successful in today's market? So I'm, just, let's just go through the steps, but I, I'd love to hear that connection when you get to it. Yeah, well, the, the, the second step is to start to grow capacity in the organization. And I think that the work that you do is very much about this. Um, I think there's a lot of great tools and programs and, and, and systems out there for training and coaching and people development. Uh, to, to, it, it's one thing to say. It's, it's just like you know, saying, okay, it's important for us to have a good IT system where are we going to get that expertise? And, and if we don't have it inside our organization, we bring it in from the outside. And at some point, every organization has said, you know what, we actually have to get good at this ourselves. And that, that second piece of it, of growing this, growing this capacity at all levels, that's, it's not enough just to have you know, a couple people in the HR team who are certified in emotional intelligence. We need senior leaders, we need middle managers, we need people on the front lines who are able to, like we, we've, once we've gotten through step one, we've said this is a business priority. We need people with the capacity to say, okay, I can enact that. I, I know what emotional intelligence is. I know what it looks like. I know how to bring it into a day-to-day -day conversation. I know what to do when somebody's disengaged. I know what to do when somebody comes in my office, you know, feeling like life is falling apart. Again, not as a counselor, but just as a human being, and I've, I've got the skills. And I, I can tell you, you know, you both, I think, had a lot more skills in this space than I did 20 years ago. I, this has been a hard-won thing for me. I was not 
somebody I would describe as emotionally intelligent, and I, I think on good days now, <laughs> sometimes I am. But if I can learn this, you know, <laughs> I know that most people can. Well, you know, Josh, as you're talking, I can't help but make this connection. And for those of you who are listening and you're always hearing this, from a technical standpoint, going back to Josh's comments about the mechanistic approach, when we think of RTO, recovery time objective, and RPO, recovery point objective, what we're talking about is the goal your organization sets for the length of time it should take to restore normal operation following some kind of a breakdown. And the RPO, right, is that goal for that maximum amount of what you might call the data the organization can tolerate losing. Apply that to emotional intelligence, and you're talking about that capacity. If we aren't focused on the EI of RTO and RPO, what we're doing is we are creating that well-being gap that is causing the burnout or as we see it, the outage in our ability for organizations losing time, money, productivity. And it's funny, right, how we can apply that to things, but we're not good at applying it to people. So as you're listening to Josh go through these steps, think about how we treat mechanistic (laughs) things versus the human things, right? I was thinking about how when a machine... You know, when a machine is running hot on an, you know, in, a, in a factory, mm. whatever, right. n- no supervisor, I, I hope, on the planet, no, no skilled, qualified supervisor is going to look at that red light blinking and say, uh, let's just ignore that. Let's just, just turn it up. We'll see what happens. <laughs> right? Like, this that's is funny. a $50 million dollar piece of manufacturing equipment, and oh, just, just, right. I don't know. Let's let it go. Oh, that noise? What does ignore that. Nobody's going to do that. But we do that with people every day. Wow. We do. So Josh, we're, we're going go to go, go to a break. We're going to go to a break now. Hold on a second, Kath. We're going to go to a break now. And, but we want to kind of come back to that. But I think that's that burnout um, that people are talking about. We can't ignore that. So um, we'll go to a break and we'll come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network how can you be brilliant in the moment given the daily challenges you face at work and home how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses dr greenberg and dr nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple trusted evidence-based tips and tools They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to 
freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Icy Tech, like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand with quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with our colleague and friend, Josh Friedman, who is the CEO of Six Seconds. We were talking about the the four steps uh, in your uh, business case for getting to optimal emotional intelligence acquisition adoption practices, and we had gone through one and two. Uh, one was where senior leaders understand the business imperative, and number two was growing capacity in the organization. Let's jump into three and, and hopefully get to four, Josh, before the end of the show. Yeah, we can do three and four at the same time because three and four really have to work together. And one is about um, the, the culture shaping, and the other is about the systems. And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, that in a lot of organizations, there's a focus on systems. But if we do systems without people, we don't get the results. Uh, I think if we do people without systems, we don't sustain the results. So step, steps three and four are about looking at, for example, how do we hire people? How do we onboard people? How do we uh, manage people's performance? How do we, what are our policies and procedures and systems and structures? A lot of that is HR work, but it's not just HR work. It's really looking at how do we operationalize our strategy and what are the touch points in our operations that reinforce the culture that we need to have in order to create the performance that we are committed to creating. So that kind of, that's a very logical process. And what I think a lot of organizations have not realized, or a lot of leaders have not realized up to now, is I can be very intentional about measuring and growing the kind of culture that I want. I can measure and grow trust. I can measure and grow the capacities that I need to have in order to have trust, to have people engaged, to have the kind of relational context that creates the resilience and the performance that we need. So we can do that in a systems level across an organization, all the way down to job descriptions, how we have meetings, how we talk to each other, uh, and some of those, you know, some of those practical pieces 
but that has to happen at the same time as or maybe following the, the culture work mm. that people feel, oh, we're doing this because it actually right. matters. We're not just checking a box. Yeah. How? That, that's beautiful, and that's kind of how, it, how that gets embedded. And I think, Kathy, you, you and I are in systems that, you know, we're, we're helping them kind of embed that. You know, uh, in your business case that just came out 2023, uh, there's a couple things we want to make sure that we hit on um, just for our audience. So what do you notice, any differences between men and women? And then maybe we can also touch on, is there any kind of, global differences, you know, you're in so many different countries, what you notice. Let's just start with any gender differences that you notice. Yeah, this is a really loaded topic, and we are going to be publishing later this year our new State of the Heart report. So that's the world's largest study of emotional intelligence. In our, in our past State of the Heart report, we found that emotional intelligence is predictive of leadership performance across the board except for one specific case. And that one specific case is actually very concerning to me. And that is that senior leaders who identify as female uh, have less empathy on average than um, managers wow. who identify as female. Really? And it's the one competency where we saw a reverse trend. And it's not that women have much lower empathy overall. In fact, I think we all know that in general women are, are quite good at empathic concern. There are different parts of empathy we can get into, but there's, it's, it's, not that, it's not that women don't have it. It's that it's not part of what's showing up for senior women leaders. And, and again, this is across, mm. the, that, that study is across 139 countries with a randomized sampling. So there's something happening where, um, and, and I've been trying to understand this as, as a man, I don't feel like I, I really have the expertise to understand it, so I've been asking a lot of senior women leaders, what do you think this means? I and, can give you an answer. <laughs> yeah, Kathy, <you> please. <laughs> I'm sure Kathy can give you an answer. <laughs> so. I, I'm, I mean, as a female leader in a major you know, organization for years and, and as one who is, you know, running her own four businesses, I can tell you we have less empathy for ourselves as mm. we go higher in the food chain. And as we block our own empathy mm. for ourselves, as we see in senior executives when, and I'll get a little technical here, when the singular gyrus gets frozen, we are unable to see it for others. And it's a sadness I have about my own capability. And then when I see it in other women, it's much easier for me to bring it to them than it would be a male. So I, I, I empathize with both of you on that thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's actually heartbreaking to think about the conditions that we have created that are leading to this kind of, right. uh, I don't know, this self-rejection, this, like, I've got to be even more male than the men. Uh, right. And we know that so, there's other research that women are called upon to do much more emotional labor in business. They, they're called upon to do more mentoring, do more helping. And so I think part of it is if you want to, you know, in this highly, this, these cultures that where they are really male-dominated, 
it's, it's putting women in a position where in order to be promoted, right. there's, there's yeah. a, a kind of self-rejection maybe that's happening. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, Josh, I mean, that's, that's an amazing finding, and, and we'll maybe talk about how you see that globally. Um, but it's almost like, uh, Kathy, what you're saying, you almost have to kind of turn off or mute this valuable part of yourself to fit in. And then, Kathy, you made the connection. If, if you're turning off your personal empathy for yourself, you know, probably being more on your case and your side, you naturally then have muted that with others. I mean, it's, when you when you turn down that emotion, it's not like you can only do it in one situation. You know, it, ge- it generalizes, which is pretty yeah. pretty uh, alarming. One of our well, other and studies. Josh, sorry, I'm, one of our I'm other sorry, studies Josh. found that pretty clearly that that it's the internal self compassion, the internal work of emotional intelligence that lets us really effectively use it with others. Yeah. Yeah, when that's blocked, what what are we doing? We're we're hurting ourselves and others. And obviously, you know, there are many people who are writing on this subject, so I don't want to keep us in this space. But Sally Helgeson has written a beautiful book, um, uh, Rise Up, uh, and talks about this issue. But let, let's go into the, you know, in the few minutes we have, how can people get a copy of this business case? Uh, let's give that. Make sure everybody knows where that is, Josh. Yeah, so if you go to sixseconds.org, as really mentioned, it's the numeral six. um, But if you go to sixseconds.org, you'll see it on there. There's a short link we can give people, which is sixsec.org slash bizcase, B-I-Z-C-A-S-E. But it's also on our, if you you follow us on, on LinkedIn, we have a huge LinkedIn group for people who are interested in emotional intelligence. There are now 140,000 people in that group. And um, LinkedIn is a great place to connect with Six Seconds as well. Um, so, I just so, want to make one last yeah, point here, though, about this gender piece, which is what if all of the business problems that we were talking about before, so many of them are rooted in this lack of empathy and this whole mechanistic yeah. approach. It's like, you know, let's just be rational. Well, okay, if we're going to be rational, we have to confront the reality that human beings are not just rational. And what drives engagement, what drives motivation, what drives performance, what drives people to do well and innovate and solve problems, it's not just rational. So to be really rational, we need these emotional skills, and we need the people who have these skills to be able to bring them forward and nourish that in the cultures for performance. Beautifully said. So, Josh, before we leave, just anything you notice globally, you know, it's in EQ scores, um, you know, are, are certain countries stand out more so or certain cultures? What have you noticed? Yeah, I mean, Oceania seems to be a place where uh, emotional intelligence has been over the years higher, but also we have new data that we're going to be sharing this year about the balance of competencies. And what we find is that in some mm. countries, there are really strong strengths and really weak weaknesses. Uh, but Oceania is a place where there seems to be more of a balance of competencies, and being able to have this, these, these, these balanced competencies, I think, is what, part of what brings out our capacity to use these skills. Uh, just for example, in, in Asia Pacific, in China particularly, we see very strong skills around future thinking and purpose, 
but much weaker strengths around being able to, what we call, navigate emotions, harness emotions, and use them intentionally. So it's like, yes, I want to move here, but I can't bring the emotional energy and wisdom to help me move there, or the emotional brilliance to help me move there. So we need them working together, and I think uh, I'm tempted to move to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with geography, Oceania includes uh, Australasia, Melanesia, Micronesia, Polynesia, but it's a population of over uh, 45 million, you know, people. Um, yeah, and Australia and, is is in our data set in Oceania, and so it's even bigger. Exactly. Oh, wow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it also includes 10,000 islands, so I hope you've gotten yeah. every one of those islands, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to. I think we have to go on tour. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> well, as as usual, you know, Josh, we are going to have to have you back, um, and a lot sooner um, than 10 years. It's hard to believe we've been on the air that long, almost 17 years this year. <laughs> and um, we're delighted that we have friends like you that continue to grow the wealth of information. And I, I just want to say how grateful we are to have you in our universe and in friendship. I think you and I tap each other at least once a month. At least I'm tapping you once a month, if not more. You and Patty are amazing people in your fundraising and in your global contribution. And we thank you for being a part of our world as well. Uh, I'm grateful and I'm so glad to be on the show with you both. And thank you for the wonderful work you're doing to support leaders to grow and be better. Well, Josh, like we know, we all, we're all in this together, and so, you know, so happy that uh, we're doing it. So before we leave, any one tip that you would give our audience, and then we'll sign off, like, around EI, what, what would be one thing they could do? So I used to be very uncomfortable with some feelings, and one of the things that's been powerful for me is to start realizing that I don't have to fix it. I don't have to do anything. Just acknowledging, saying, oh, it seems like you're sad. It seems like you're worried. It seems like people are frustrated. Right. And just that simple acknowledgement, and you don't need to do it. <laughs> you don't need to then say, right. but you shouldn't be. Just acknowledge yeah. it. And yeah. that acknowledgement, I think you'll find, opens up. It just changes so much. <laughs> so, so, Joshua, thanks for that. I'm going to just hi- highlight as we end here one thing I think I saw on your podcast. Uh, don't uh, don't do anything. Just stand there, and me just stand there. Sit <laughs> yeah. with sit with the. Don't empathy. just do something. That's sit good, there, right? And and be there with the empathy. So thanks, Josh, very much. This has been leadership development news. Continue to tune in to tune up your performance. And thank you all. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.